Hey, good morning, Riverview. Good morning. Good morning. I was sitting up here, or standing up here, I guess, and uh, I was just encouraged uh, by by the Lord through His Spirit that that I get to that I get to teach this morning. That I get to talk with you. I get to uh, pray with you. We get to dive into the Scriptures together. I was just encouraged this morning to be able to be your pastor. So um, this has been a really incredibly odd uh, but galvanizing six months that we've walked through. Um, our, our nation has been through some stuff. The world's been through some stuff. And it, there's been ups and downs all over the place. Um, but to be able to walk through that with you guys, gals, has been, uh, has been amazing. Um, so thank you. Uh, thanks for letting me be your pastor. Um, thanks for encouraging my heart. Um, and I'm just thankful for the Spirit that he just kind of reminded me uh, of the privilege that it is to be able to talk with you this morning. So, so thank you. Um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump in. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Um, thank you that uh, I am just a, a, another fellow um, up here getting to share your truth, that the real power doesn't come through me, but it comes through you, through your spirit as he works amongst us this morning. And, and so um, I'm open, I'm available to be used by you. May you take my mouth, use it for your glory. Um, Father, I pray uh, too for our kids that are uh, back here and they're learning this morning. And I pray for their moms and dads, and for our entire group this morning, Lord, that you would meet us here um, exactly where we are, and that none of us would leave here the same um, as we came, because we were uh, available to you through your spirit to do some work. And so take this morning, use it for your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, a little bit ago, we sung, we, we sung a couple songs that really kind of pointed into the gospel, uh, focusing us in on Jesus. And I was so glad that we did, because my heart was pulled towards um, just the idea and, and the strength that rides within the gospel this week. Because the gospel, as we know it, is good news. And it's not just good news. It's the good news of Jesus who came and who set captives free, right? So if you are here and you're in Christ, the gospel, the gospel has set you free. And if you are free, go ahead and say it with me. What's the scripture say? You are free indeed. Yeah, go ahead. Let's do that again. The scripture say, if you are free in Christ, then you are Free indeed, right? So the gospel, the good news of Jesus, he's taken that truth that we've been set free and he's taken his Holy Spirit, he's put it inside of us and he's pressed the reality of that into our hearts. He's pressed the truth of that reality in our hearts so much so that if we allow him to do his work in us, then the gospel becomes the thing that is able to shape everything that we do and it's able to shape everything that we see. And so we're not jaded by the things around us. We're actually shaded by the gospel and its truth. Does that make sense to you? If, if the gospel is what filters everything that we do and everything that we see, then we are walking in its shade and we're not jaded by the things that are going on around us. It's because the gospel is in us and it's what sets us free. Um, Y'all may not know this uh, about me, but, but you do know that we're living kind of in a, a time and a day and age where TVs and screens are just random. Like everybody's got a TV. Everybody's got uh, a screen uh, that we know of anyway. And, and so what you may not know about me is that uh, in 2006, I got married to my bride, Ashley. And what you probably know that because I've talked about it quite a bit. Uh, but what you probably didn't know is that we didn't have a TV until 2012. And TV, like some of you are like, whoa, who is this guy? And like, don't go there on me, okay? Because we had TVs growing up, but we just chose from 2006 to 2012. We just didn't have one in our house. And you'll, ne and you'll never guess what it was that caused us to get a TV in our house. And what's that? 
Get, well, no, that is, a, that is a fantastic guess, man. That is really good. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how often that is very true that I'm thankful because of that reason because I don't want you to jade your opinion of me. Um, no, <laughs> so it's a lot. I mean, great. Um, but we had, we had uh, some friends that were coming to visit us in New York. Uh, we were living there. We were doing ministry there for a while, and our friends were coming from Nebraska. And uh, there was... There just happened to be um, the Husker and Buckeye game that was getting ready to play. Yeah. And me being a Buckeye fan, all right, now, now don't go and do that to me, okay, because I wasn't here yet. I didn't live here in Nebraska. I was a Buckeye fan. That's where I'm from. I'm from Ohio. Um, and, and so me being a Buckeye fan, I was incredibly excited to watch the Buckeyes run all over the Huskers during that time. And he was a huge Nebraska fan who was coming up. And so we just, we had to watch this game. And so we had to go get a TV, right? And so uh, that, that, that in turn created the TV hunt for me. Now, I don't know if anybody out there is like me, but I never buy anything unless I research the junk out of that thing. Because I, I'm cheap, but I also want quality. And all, often those two things don't go good together. And, and so I started researching and researching, trying to find what can I get for the best price within what I'm willing to pay for it. And so I researched LEDs, LCDs, plasma screens, and it just, it just so happened in all the research that I did, plasma screen at the time had the best picture. It didn't have the best reputation, but it had the best picture. And I wanted the best picture that I could get for my money. And, and so, but here was the knock on the plasma screen, right? If, so, if some of y'all grew up and like you were some of the first big screen people, like you know the knock on the plasma screen. The plasma screen, the knock on it has the, um, uh, if you leave it on the same channel for long enough, it will burn into your screen. Did anybody grow like in the 80s, 90s when, when big screens were like, for, like really coming out when plasma was going, that was a deal? So, like I started the research is I'm like, well, it has the best picture, but it has kind of the worst reputation when, when it comes to this. And so sure enough, like people would post their pictures of this image that was still on their screen when they turned it off or when they turned it on, everything was filtering through that. But I thought, who on earth leaves their TV on the same thing long enough that it would actually get burned into your screen? And because I wanted the best picture, I got the plasma screen. And it was great, guys. It was great. But it turns out the person who leaves their TV on the same thing long enough for something to burn in is actually me because I left it on ESPN for way too long. Okay, uh, ESPN actually uh, burned into my screen. Like it pressed itself into my screen. Do you guys remember like how ESPN used to be set up? Um, uh, I should not know this, but I do. Like, like all down the left-hand side of the screen would tell you like what's coming up. Okay, like we're talking about Jordan right now, and then you know in two minutes we're going to be talking about Kobe, and and then we're going to talk about this other thing. So it would tell you what was going on, and then at the bottom it had the ticker screen that tells you what the score was. So you had this L-shaped kind of deal going on on your TV. It wasn't too long before I realized everything that I was watching was getting filtered through the ESPN ticker screen on my screen. It actually burnt into there. ESPN was literally pressed into my screen. And so everything I watched was filtered through that. You know, I'd be sitting down watching a movie with Ashley, like watching Pride and Prejudice or uh, Bambi or something like that, you know. Um, and uh, she watches good movies, all right. Um, but she really doesn't actually like to watch TV very much. But we'd be sitting in there watching, and Bambi would be coming through ESPN. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice, all that English stuff would be coming through ESPN. It was filtering through that screen. But the truth was, 
that ESPN wasn't just pressed into my TV, it was pressed into my mind. Everything that I talked about was sports. Everything that I thought about was sports. Everything that I did was about sports. Everything, everything was pressed through some type of grid that could resemble an ESPN figure in, in my little world. And that little TV experience kind of taught me a little something about myself, but it also taught me a little something about reality. What fills my screen will eventually fill my mind. I'm gonna say that again. What fills my screen will eventually fill my mind. And even larger than that, I think, what, fit, what we fix our eyes on is gonna eventually be pressed down into our hearts. And I'm gonna say that again too. What we fix our eyes on will eventually be pressed down into our hearts. And I think the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 knew exactly what this principle could do. He, he knew that what we tend to focus on is going to shape us. It's going to be the filter through which we think through. It's going to be the thing that either shades us or jades us. It's going to be the thing that everything that we do and everything that we think actually goes through. And so because he knew that it would be that, that what fo we focus our mind on will be our filter, he said these words. He said, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, and your translation might say, or the way that you've memorized it might say, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you hear what's wrapped up in that? It's the gospel. He's telling to fix our eyes on Jesus, fix our eyes on the truth, fix our eyes on the gospel that we can filter our entire lives through that will give us the patience and the endurance to go through the things that we walk through now, to not allow our minds to be jaded by everything that's going on around us, but to walk faithfully in the gospel of which he's called us, the, the gospel call and the principles of the kingdom that he's called us to. And so... I don't know if that wind's coming through this or if it's coming through one of these up here. But he says, fix your eyes on Jesus because the gospel is going to press itself into your heart and it's going to give you your perspective for life today. I don't know if, you, if you've seen, um, I'm certain you have, maybe you've done it yourself, but if you throw a rock into a pond, what happens? The water begins to ripple, right? You see the effect that the the rock like hits the middle and then it begins to go. There's not a piece of that little pond that isn't affected by the ripple that that rock caused. And what this writer of Hebrews is saying, that when we fix our eyes on Jesus, it's like when we throw a rock in a pond, it's going to affect every little thing of our life. It's going to affect our decisions. It's going to affect our opinions. It's going to affect how we filter things that come into our, through our eyes and through our world. Um, it's going to ripple into everything. And so it's extremely important in what we fix our eyes on because what we fix our eyes on ends up mattering, right? And I think the DNA of the church, not, not little RCC church here, but big C church, like where our all little, little C church make up the big C church around the globe, right? I, I think the DNA of the church has always had this call to fix our eyes on the Lord and specifically leaning us and pointing us to fixing our eyes specifically on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. But I'm guessing all throughout history, from generation to generation to generation, and also within the midst of our generation right now, that we've all had our own version of ESPN, huh? 
We've all had our own little thing that we filter our entire lives through that kind of gets burned in, and especially like right now. Right now, I mean, this is one of the most, I've, I mean, I, I can only live in my generation. I can't live in generations previous to me or after me. But in my generation, it feels like this is the most tumultuous thing that I've ever been through, right? I've got 39 years on this life. Some of you are under that. Some of you are over that. You've experienced your own things. But this is a really incredibly rocky time, right? You, you look at the, um, the, the idea of, of uh, social justice that's out there right now, Right? Like we, we have an opinion on that. That, that can become the filter for, for our, our it, it can become our ESPN. Uh, there are political issues, social issues, relational issues. There, there's human rights issues that are going on. There's conversations that are happening throughout our, throughout our globe and specifically throughout our, our communities and throughout the United States that are in, in, in intrinsically connected to one another on what grid we're going to filter life through. And it captivates our minds. And it captivates our, our, our thinking at night. It captivates our emotions throughout the day. I mean, we've been walking through COVID, right? And, and COVID's its own little animal, and we've all got opinions and decisions on that. And so that can, be t- that can tend to be the filter through which we think through everything. Um, uh, some of the social rights movements that are happening right now with uh, uh, the Black Lives Matters movement or the All Lives Matter movement, no, no matter where you stand on that, those are things that we filter our mind through right now that become the filter through everything that we think through. Man, we just walked through the DNC and the RNC here in the last couple of weeks, and you just see people spitting back and forth at one another, just venom back and forth with each other. But when like the, we're dealing with political issues that tend to be the overlayer and the filter for which we think through everything is, is right. And right now we just sent our kids back to school a couple of weeks ago. And so some of you parents are wondering, man, are my kids gonna be able to stay, are they gonna be able to stay in school? Because this is really nice. It's really nice to have a little bit of free time. And so you're wondering, like that captivates your mind. You're thinking, man, am I gonna be able to keep this level of peace for a while? And, and so, Everything gets filtered through that. Like, that's the conversation. Every conversation that you have is around that. Are sports coming back? If sports don't come back, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And we filter through that. These are just some of the big things that are in the headlines right now. But those headlines change from generation to generation. They change from year to year. Some of them stay the same. Uh, Some of them are still fighting over the same things over and over again. But the headlines can begin to become the filter for which we think through rather than fixing our eyes on Jesus and then processing everything that we're seeing through that grid and through that filter is, as well. Every one of these topics have the ability to keep you up late at night, give you heartburn late at night. And whatever we feel about these topics, they have the tendency to press down into us in such a way that we filter everything through that particular lens. And so I want you to think about this. Are those topics or your own little ESPN, right? Is, is that like what's pressing into you and becoming your filter? Or are you letting those things that are kind of hovering around that you're just kind of thinking about, are you allowing those to press you in to Jesus and fix your eyes on him and allow him to be the filter for all of those things? I know that's difficult, right? Because some of the stuff is, it's huge. And you can't have a conversation without one or the other. And so you have to figure out, how am I going to converse? How am I going to talk to somebody? How, how are we going to relate? And what filter am I going to use? I'm going to tell you, if you're always using the filter of fixing your eyes on Jesus, the conversation is going to be filled with truth. It's going to be filled with love. It's going to be filled with grace. As opposed to just your own jaded opinion, as opposed to your shaded opinion, that's through fixing your eyes on Jesus. Because here's the thing. 
Like we're, we're called to fix our eyes on Jesus, to filter our life through him, through the good news of who Jesus is, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What we're called to fix our eyes on Jesus no matter what generation we're living in, no matter what the cultural milieu, the situations are that are going on around us, like our eyes are to be fixed on him. And instead of filtering things through the DNA of culture, we filter things through the DNA of the church. Not just the culture church that's been impacted right now, but the church as God set it up. Founded and fixed on Christ. Allowing our eyes to be set on him filtering everything that we do through him. And so it, to some degree, we end up fighting this. Am I, am I going to see things through a cultural DNA? Am I going to see things through a scriptural DNA of which he's set out for me? And so we don't lose focus of why we're here. And we don't lose focus of what we're here to do. For us as a church, Riverview has always been about keeping our eyes on Jesus. It's always about us being able to help people come alive in Christ as best as we can. From day one, our end goal has always been to help people find Jesus and to expand our understanding and experience of who he is and walking in and step with him. We just want to see people coming alive in Jesus. We want to see people experiencing his goodness. We want to see people walking in, in very practical ways, allowing Jesus to impact every step that they take, having ripple effects in their life. We want to see every man, woman, and child coming alive in Jesus in this generation and the next generation and the generation after that that follows. And this isn't a goal that we just made up as a church, right? This is a goal that we've adopted from, from Scripture. This is a goal that we've adopted from our, our Lord and Savior. This is the goal that we have when we fix our eyes on Jesus. This has always been the heart of God. He's always desired that every single generation will be captivated by his goodness by his love, that they would be captivated by his goodness, even through Jesus. And that would become the filter for which we live our lives. But every generation, though, has had the tendency to take their eye off the ball and end up focusing on their own little ESPN. Whatever the cultural issue might be, whatever our little thing has been, whatever the generation is fighting on, and to start filtering life through that cultural lens rather than through this kingdom lens. I want you to listen to how Moses talks about this in the book of Deuteronomy. And how he says for us to stay focused on what the end goal is. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Israel, they're, they're getting ready to go into the promised land. A land that they've been longing to go in, right? They've been waiting and they've been longing for far too long. And it's a land that's full of people. It's full of possessions. They have... And those people in their possessions, they have the potential to distract them from the focus that God has given them, to rob them of that. And here's what Moses tells them in verse 4. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Do you hear the focus? He's saying, this should be what you're teaching, not in this generation, but every generation that follows. Teach them to love me. Teach them to find me. Teach them to find their life in me. Teach them to filter everything through me. When you wake up, 
when you lie down, when you go to sleep, and when you're eating, through, when you're dropping them off in the school line. It, like, whenever it is, teach them to follow after me and find their life in me. The focus doesn't change. God was saying, you're about to go into a land where people don't honor me. They don't follow me. And they're not going to honor the fact that you follow me either. And so you're going to be tempted to fix your eyes on what somebody might say. This is the culturally significant thing that you need to focus on. But sometimes the things that people say are culturally significant aren't really the things that are are kingdom-minded, aren't the things that are being filtered through a kingdom lens. And so God says, stay focused. Keep your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on the end game. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Train the next generation to love me and to find their life in me too. And it's always been God's goal for his people to stay focused on what matters. And what matters is people knowing him, honoring him, and coming alive in him. Listen to how Jesus says it in Matthew 28. None, none of this is new. You know Deuteronomy 6. You know Matthew 28. You've heard Hebrews 12. But here's what he says in Matthew 28. Jesus, he's already spent time with his disciples. He's been with them for like three years now. They know him. They know his patterns. They know how he lives. They know how he cares. They know what gets him frustrated. They know what, what really grips his heart, right? And, and, and so he presses this vision into them for the world, and he presses this vision into them for all the people that they're going to encounter. And so going all the way back to Deuteronomy 6, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might, and the desire to pass this along to the next generation. Here's what he says, and I want you to see how he tells them in this to keep their eyes on the end game. Stay focused on what matters. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you to the very end of the age. Do you guys hear what Jesus is saying there? Like he's saying, fix your eyes on the things that matter. Fix your eyes on making disciples. Fix your eyes on helping people see me for who I am. Fix your eyes on letting other people fix their eyes on me as well. He says, you have a mission. You have a mission. We as a church, us sitting here right now in this parking lot, we collectively have a mission. And that's to make disciples who are going to go and make disciples, who are going to help people come alive in Jesus, who are going to make disciples of all nations, right? Not just a part of the world, but of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey him and to love him and to honor him and to come alive in him. And if we're looking back at Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is a whole lot like generation after generation after generation coming to know who Jesus is. Generation after generation after generation beginning to filter their lives through the right lens. Not the cultural lens that gets pressed into you, but the lens of the church, the lens, the DNA of the church, the lens that says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. This is us fixing our eyes on Jesus. This is us staying focused on why we're here. And listen to this last statement that Jesus makes before he goes to be with the Father in Acts, uh, verse 1, verse 8. Again, this is not anything new. He says, don't take your eyes off the end goal. This is what matters. When I leave, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And you're going to receive, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Do you remember the call from Matthew 28? It's to go and make disciples, right? To see generation after generation coming alive in Jesus. 
And here he tells them, this is exactly how you're going to do it. You're, you're going to be here in Jerusalem and, and, and you're going to go out into, Judea, out into Judea. You're going to tell people who look just like you and who act just like you and who think just like you. You're going to tell them about Jesus. You're going to tell them about where true life is found. But then you're going to go beyond those borders of Jerusalem and Judea. You're going to go out into Samaria. And what you're going to encounter in Samaria, you're going to encounter people that you don't racially agree with. You're going to encounter people that you don't think like. You're going to encounter people that you have pushed down and you've set aside for ages where there's been this cultural tension between you. And you're going to tell them about Jesus. And you're going to drop all this nonsense that you've been walking around with. He says, you're going to go to Samaria and you're going to tell them about me. And then he says, beyond those borders, you're going to go to the ends of the earth. You're going to go outside of your, your, your comfort zone. You're going to go outside of your geographical uh, comfort zone. You're going to go to people who are not anywhere near your, your close proximity. And you're going to go beyond the walls of your foundations that you have in your mind. You're going to go across the water and you're going to tell people about me. It's always been God's end goal for us to fix our eyes on Jesus in such a way that it filters everything that we do through the kingdom. Filters everything that we do through his lens and not our own. Because comfort would tell us, Man, we are never going to do that. But when we're focused on something that's bigger than us, that doesn't just give us jaded thinking, but shades us in the gospel, and that calls us to adopt his mission. It calls us to adopt his view. It causes us to adopt his thinking on what's going on around us. And we filter through that. It's always been his goal. And so when the world and everyone around us is pressing a political party on us, and, and when there's political agendas being pressed into us, and when fear is being pressed into us, and when we're being told something is culturally significant and you need to buy into this, and that's being pressed into us. We have all kinds of things being pressed into us. You have God over here saying, press into the gospel. Press into Jesus. Fix your eyes upon him. Filter your life through his life. Because what we fix our eyes on is eventually going to be pressed down into our hearts. And it's going to become the filter from which we see everything else. And, and so right now what I want to do is I want to switch gears j just real quick. And so I, I know we have people who are visiting with us right now. And the dread is that when I go to church, they're going to talk about money. So like 100% get that. So I want you to know that if you're here and you're visiting with us this morning... I, I want you to know, like, you, 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 could, you could be done right now if you want, right? You'd be like, okay, I'm going to turn my ears off. But if you want to listen and to know our heart, then you can keep them turned on. But as we begin to talk about something that's significant towards money, right, I, I, want, I want you to understand that we don't normally talk about money, but we won't, we won't run away from talking about money because money is one of those things that we tend to filter our life through too, all right? So if you're visiting with us this morning, I just want to give you that caveat this morning, but I want to talk to RCC. I want to talk to RCC, people who call this place home, right? Um, last year, we started uh, something um, that uh, we started something that we call the Imagine Project, right? And the Imagine Project was something that we looked at and we said, "Hey, right now we are carrying six hundred eighty-two thousand dollars of of building debt." Right? And, and, and we looked at it and we said, that is, that is a barrier to helping us do the things that we feel like God is calling us to do. It's a barrier from us going and helping some people keep, put their eyes on Jesus and keep their eyes on Jesus. It's a barrier for us to help people come alive in him. And so to one degree or another, we said that 
every dollar that, w- that gets invested in Riverview, we want to see going to ministry. But to some degree, $682,000 wasn't going to that, that end goal. And so what we did is we invited you into this thing called the Imagine Project, which was this, this three-year project to help remove that barrier and, and so that we might in and of ourselves be able to see Jesus clearly, but also help others to be able to see Jesus clearly too. And I, and I want to give just an update. Um, we were scheduled to give kind of an update in June because um, June was the, the one-year marker, but we're sitting right now at about the 14-month marker, so we're just over a year now. And I want to share with you some incredibly, incredibly exciting news of what God's been doing o- over the past 14 months, just, just as far as uh, finances are concerned. We started off with $682,000 of, of a building debt, right? Just kind of trying to get rid of that sort of thing. And God's generosity through you now has brought that down. Listen to this, okay? $682,000 down to 221000 Yeah, yeah. And, and I want you to know that I am so thankful, not because that money goes into my pocket. I'm so thankful because of God's generosity through you. God is doing amazing things through your availability to allow him to do that. And so just over 14 or just around 14 months, we've already wiped out over four, a significantly over $400,000 worth of debt. Praise God for what he's doing through you. Now, here's what that translates into. Nine and a half years have been taken off our loan balance. Nine and a half years is is gone from that. And that translates into $112,000 right now that we've saved in interest. That... Hear that again. $112,000 that we've already saved in interest that gets to go into ministry, that gets to go to people who are across the world, that gets to go into our local community, that gets to go into our regional community as well. $112,000 has been saved already. But with that, here's the reality that we still have, right? That still leaves that there's $221,000 for God to knock out through us. And we said from the very beginning that this isn't money that's probably going to come from the outside. This is God's people supporting the mission that he's called us to. And so we are just, we're, as a people, we are knocking this thing out. And so three or a year ago, so many of you jumped in and said, man, I am going to be a part of this three-year process. And those of you who have jumped in, it has been absolutely amazing. And then there were some who, who said, well, I'm not, I'm, not, I, I'm not jumping in for the whole three years, but I'm going to give consistently. I have zero clue who gives what around here. So I don't know who's invested in that or not, but whoever is, God is doing great things through you. But we still have this $221,000 to go. And we have two more years in, in this project. And for some of us, um, we, we, from the beginning, we said, well, well, maybe I don't really know how to jump into this thing, or um, maybe it just wasn't the right time to jump in, or maybe you weren't even here at that time. Riverview wasn't your home. And so I, I want to give you just a, a clear update on what that is, okay? God's already done an amazing work, but we still need you, okay? We still need you. And so if you are inclined uh, to beyond our prayer and to beyond your normal giving and, and tithing to support the general fund and the mission that happens here, if you are um, willing to jump in, we still have two more years to go. Okay, two more years, and uh, in the back of the in the back of the parking lot, there is this thing that we that it's the same thing that we started off with uh, a year ago, and inside of that there is a commitment card. We changed that around just a little bit to update the dates on it, but it's the same. The mission hasn't changed. The goal hasn't changed. The dollars have changed, and God has been doing amazing things through you. But if you are interested in praying about being involved and to say, how can I be involved in this? Um, That is back there for you to go ahead and grab a hold of, and we would want to invite you to be a part of it. Um, But So I'm going to set that aside now. Um, 
And I want to tell you what that's been able to do. Um, over, over the past uh, 14 months, there have been more missionaries or missionaries that we already have that we've been supporting that we've been able to increase funds for, which is really cool to be able to call somebody or to text somebody or message somebody and say, hey, you know, we were supporting you at $200 uh, a month, but now we're able to support you at $400 a month. That's really cool to be able to do that. Um, we've been able to bring in new partners. Um, as you know, Jess Buller is part of our team. She's part of the, She's grown up here, and she went out with YWAM, and she's out in Redding, California, um, growing and training, and she's already been across the world sharing the good news of the gospel, going door-to-door in places that would scare to death out of some of us, right? And so we've brought her in. We just brought in a couple uh, of weeks ago um, Wesley Farrell, who some of you guys know. He's doing... Um, uh, ministry with Raggio Christi and going on campuses and intellectually engaging with, with men and women apologetically to, to share the good news of Jesus. And so we've been able to bring him into the fold here in our local and regional environment. Um, we've been able, uh, we, I, don't, I don't know if you uh, were aware of this or if we talked about this, but I think we did. Um, we brought in some new partners in Argentina. So we're supporting uh, some, some children, some street kids in Argentina to help them, help see them come alive in Jesus. We've got Jeffrey and Angelica Rosart down there. And they're such cool people. It's a young couple um, with a couple young kids who are just trying to figure out how to do marriage together and share the good news of the gospel that, that, fil- that we filter everything through. So we were able to bring them in. Um, we've been able to uh, consistently uh, be able to encourage um, our India partners and bring in uh, with a little more support there as well. Um, and uh, we have not yet uh, done anything with this, but we just had a fantastic uh, conversation with some folks in the Dominican Republic because our heart is to begin sending some of our own people, some of our, some of our um, teenagers and some of our adults and uh, our, all, you, all of us that make up Riverview, into uh, areas where we get to experience life on mission, not just in our own cubicle, in our cubicle, but not just in our own cubicle, but to go across the water or to go across the land too. And so we've been talking with some folks in the Dominican Republic to see if this might be a, um, an opportunity for us to engage there and be partners with. So I, I'm sharing that with you just so that you know what God's already been able to do with the increase of getting rid of some of this debt. We've got two more years ago, so thank you um, for those who have already jumped in. And for those who haven't, man, take, here, here, here's an action step that I would have you do. I'd have you to pray about how you might be involved over the next two years. If you might commit, there are the commitment cards back there. If it's prayer, you're going to pray for us to walk through that. Um, but uh, how you might walk through financially even with us uh, over the next two-year period. Because in my heart, I, I, I could see God knocking this out in the next year. He may, maybe not. Maybe he does it in three years or the next two. But I'm confident that he's going to do everything that, uh, that we need to see him do over the next two years to get rid of that. And for uh, those who are visiting, let me bring you back in uh, as well. For all of us who are out here, here's what I would say. Let's press into the gospel. There's so much pressing into us right now. Let's press into the gospel. Let it get down into our hearts. Let it become the filter for which we filter everything through. So this week, when you're, when you're tempted to, to engage in, in a, uh, um, your own ESPN that is causing everything to be filtered through it, but just take, let it give you a pause in, in your spirit and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be shaded by the gospel right now. Not jaded to feel necessary to jump into this conversation. And if I jump into this conversation, I'm going to bring the gospel into it. Let's pray. Father, you're so good. Uh, thanks for the opportunity um, to talk with you. Thanks for the opportunity to talk with our friends here. Uh, thanks that you are doing work. Um, 
work that we can see and work that we can't see. Father, we know that you work at helping us chisel our flesh that we still have. You've made us perfect in our spirit, but we're still walking around in this flesh, and so you've got some work to do in us, and so we want to be yielded to you doing that work. But we also know that you work in, in, in ways that we can't see. You're, you're in a realm, too, that we can't see. You're fighting spiritual battles all around us that are hampering down on us, that engage us in these really difficult topics and situations. And so, Father, where we feel fear, I pray that you would show us victory. Where we fear, where we feel overwhelmed, I pray that you would show us that we're, we're more than overcomers in Christ. Where we feel like we're not adequate in our homes and with our kids or at work, I, feel, I pray that you would allow us to see that we are everything that we need to be in Christ. Father, and I pray that if there is a layer, a filter that is causing us to keep you on the fringes of our life, that you would let us fix our eyes on you today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.